Welcome to the Lead 222 podcast. My name is Dave Hutke. We are a community committed to being healthy leaders, leading healthy ministries. And if you have not signed up for coaching or mentoring this season, don't wait. You can go to lead222.com and sign up now. And I want to encourage you, don't do ministry alone. And uh, we are better together. Well, I'm really excited uh, for today's podcast. We have the one and only Micah Davis with us today. He's the pastor of Teaching and Vision at the Sanctuary Church in Indianapolis. He is married to Riley. They have a dog, Leo. He is the author of Trailblazers that comes out October 17th. I can't wait. Micah, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Oh, thanks for having me again, Dave. It's such a gift to to be with you guys. Well, you guys listening, you don't know this, but I'm going to tell you, Micah was my son's youth pastor, and uh, I am so grateful for Micah and the influence uh, and uh, the encouragement into Jackson's life. He's now at Purdue University, uh, living the college life, but uh, Micah, I'm so grateful for your influence in him and and listen, all you youth pastors out there, here's coming from a parent of a teenager. What you do matters. Thank you for uh, just the work that you do and pouring into uh, our students. So thank you, Micah. Thank you for uh, your influence uh, into him. And and uh, so a lot of things have changed, though. And uh, you have just launched the Sanctuary Church. Um, and, uh, my wife and, and I, and, and our family have been blessed to be at opening, uh, Sunday and, uh, in the second week this past week, and you're launching a book. So tell me, tell us a little <laughs> bit about all of that and, uh, how you are holding up. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm here and I'm elated to be here and just taking each day as a grace and just a joy of being able to step into what I feel like God has called me to do, which is to preach, teach, and write about Jesus. And for whatever reason, God decided to converge all of those things at once. And so stepping into this role of teaching and vision at the sanctuary and then releasing trailblazers into the world, it is quite a whirlwind right now, um, but I'm just so grateful. And I'm, I'm grateful to be having this conversation with you today. Yeah. Yeah. We're grateful to have you. And and what's really cool is our Lead Summit conference, November 7th through the 9th. Micah, you are kicking off the conference in, right. in speaking. And so our, our topic and our theme is be strong and courageous. So we're really excited to have you speaking uh, that first night. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I love the Lead community. I've been a part of Lead since, gosh, I think 2019. So um, yeah, it's just been a gift over the last couple of years to be able to get to know so many now friends and familiar faces all around the country, people who are seeking to uh, be healthy in their own lives and in their in their ministries. And as you said, Dave, like just being able to pastor the next generation, it's such a privilege. And um, I hope it's a weight that we all feel uh, responsibly of just the, the um, gift it is to be entrusted with pastoring young people. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And and uh, today, you know, one of our lead life values with Lead 222 is uncommon integrity. And uh, mm -hmm. I love that because it, it's so needed in our world today. And so we define that as I will live a disciplined life with purity of heart, mind, and actions. And, you know, I really believe, Micah, and uh, that character always outpaces talent, you know, and yeah. 
Uh, I really believe we need youth pastors, men and women, who will live a disciplined life with purity of heart, mind, and actions. And our listen, our students need um, someone that is chasing uh, after Jesus. They, they don't have to be perfect, but they want to see people of integrity, you know? Yep. And uh, they're looking for authenticity and, and character. So um, give me your definition of a trailblazer as we tie in your book here and, and share with us how character is the core element of a trailblazer. Yeah, absolutely. So I define in the book a trailblazer as a consecrated or a set apart individual who submits fully to the process of character formation for the sake of discovering and developing their God-given purpose. And so essentially Trailblazers just walks us through the journey of character formation. And uh, as you open the book, you know, I'm a, I'm a type A, uh, Enneagram three, very organized individual. Um, and I love order. And that's actually the first, the first line of the book. I like order, but I, I start the book out of order, um, at least with respect to um, the timeline of the scriptures. And I start with the story of Joseph and the first chapter is building a foundation of character, of integrity. And so um, I believe that being able to build our lives on a foundation of integrity is, is everything in the life of a follower of Jesus. And why character is so important is, I mean, we're seeing the outworkings of that just in our worlds at large today, When, especially when it comes to being uh, in spiritual authority and positions of influence. Uh, leading with character is everything. Uh, James Merritt, Dr. James Merritt, uh, writes a book called Character Still Counts, and he has this line in there where he says, low character comes at a high cost. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's a that's a really important distinction to to note. And so in the first chapter, I walk through the story of Joseph and uh, just talk about through all of the adversity that he faces, the character that he possesses um, in the midst of trials and tribulations and suffering, his ability to be able to uh, continue to be who God has called him to be. Um, to live with integrity is a is a game changer. It actually ends up transforming an entire nation. It ends up transforming his family um, for forever because he's someone who knows who he is and he lives that out uh, regardless of the circumstances that are facing him. Yeah, that's so good. I how can you not love the story of Joseph too? But it's that's so good. Yeah. Um, you know, as we talk about you know youth pastors, Micah, you, you were a youth pastor for many years, you know, just the, the grind, right. Of, of so many things to manage and, and, um, you know, and trying to, to help students in, in their own spiritual formation and, and, um, their pursuit of Jesus. But yet there's so many things that can take us away from really our own pursuit <laughs> of character, because we're doing the work of God you know, and we get so, you know, focused a lot of times on, on the work of God, but not really the being with God and the character um, piece of our own lives. And that's why at lead, you know, we're so passionate healthy leaders lead healthy ministries. And so, you know, just speaking to youth pastors, Micah, and, and, you know, what does it take in that, you know, world of doing ministry? We have such a great heart to reach this next generation but we can't lose sight also of our own spiritual formation and character um, pursuits and to be like Jesus. So talk to us just a little bit about that, of what it takes to build our own character. 
to be men and women of integrity. Yeah, Dave. I mean, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Like you can't, you can't outlead yourself at some point. Uh, a lack of character will be exposed. It doesn't matter how big your platform is, how gifted you are, how big your church is. We've seen uh, the pastor of 200 and the pastor of 200,000 blow up their lives and blow up their ministries because of a lack of character. And so, you know, I think character, it really comes down to our own spiritual formation. It's just, it's simply union with God. It's a, it's a both and. And I think we live in an age where um, I, I think the, the spiritual formation aspect is starting to swing back more to the forefront of leadership development and pastoring well. But I think, you know, if we look over the last 30 to 50 years of just church history, a lot of it has been focused on the doing for God rather than being with God. And we've seen the gospel take a lot of ground in our world through that period, but we've also seen a lot of damage done because of the missing piece of actually learning what it means to be formed into the image of Jesus. And so when it comes to character formation, we we often look at purpose and discovering God's purpose for our life through a purely divine inspirational lens, right? Like, especially in the age of social media and um, instant gratification, like we're all chasing, I call it the, the camp high or the dorm room encounter or the night of breakthrough, like especially in youth ministry, we all know what I'm talking about when right. we're at summer camp and the Holy Spirit falls. And it's like, we're, for, for whatever reason, that's what we're all chasing in our lives. And we think those are the only moments that that really matter. Now we may not say that explicitly, but inward, that's what gets talked about to senior leadership the next week. Those are the stories that get shared with parents. Right. And those, those, those moments do come and they do matter. But most of the journey with Jesus comes not just through divine revelation, but day-to-day -day faithful character formation, actually being with Jesus. And so I just would, would encourage any youth pastor who's listening to this, whatever, regardless of the position that you find yourself in, I've found a lot of fruit from sitting in the quiet and creating space to just reflect and be introspective with Jesus. And I just, I ask these questions often in my life. Where do I want to go in life? Why do I want to go there? How is my core community shaping my character? How curious do I get with those gathering around my table or my inner circle? And how consistently do I invest in my local church family? And I feel like when you have clarity around those questions, you can begin to establish this firm foundation of integrity because the gap between your private world and your public life begins to shrink and who you are in every situation begins to look the same, exactly the same. And so I, I frame it in the book uh, through this formula of character plus consistency equals clarity, that as the image gap shrinks, your life purpose expands, the very qualities of Jesus get infused over time into your heart and soul, and they're lived out through your words and actions. And I believe that this kind of integra integration truly leads to a life like no other. Displaying consistent character over time releases you to unapologetically blaze the trail that God's entrusted you with, while remembering that the impact you make never has and never will be about you. Mm, that's so good. Say that again, the, the, the character, those three. Yeah, character plus consistency equals clarity. So as we are formed into the image of Jesus and as we live day to day in his image and become the type of person that he's called us to become, our purpose begins to get clearer and clearer and who he's called us to be begins to take shape. Yeah. And I think that's that's also what's so important is the consistency piece. That's right. 
And, and so if I can encourage all of us, including myself, you know, that discipline that it takes, right? Listen, character formation, you know, it takes discipline. And so, you know, I think I just want to encourage us, you know, um, make sure that we are having that time with the Lord, you know, in our own quiet time and being consistent with that so that we are being fed by the word of God and, and to be encouraged and be reminded of who God is and his faithfulness in our own lives. And so I just encourage everybody, including myself, like the consistency part too is, is, is so important. Thank you. for Yeah. And that. if I can just add one more thing to that, that if you're familiar with learning systems at all, um, one of my mentors talks about this a lot, the J curve of, of any, like developing anything new, any new character attribute in our lives. If you follow the J curve, it, you, you know, you start, you're excited, you're passionate, but typically formation follows this J curve where you get into it. You start to lose a little bit of the motivation. You start to go through a bit of a dark night of the soul, or you start to encounter resistance. And in that moment at kind of the bottom of the J, that's when you're tempted to give up. And so I would just encourage any youth leader who's listening to this and you feel like, you're trying to prioritize health or you're trying to prioritize rest or you're trying to prioritize being with Jesus and yet you keep encountering resistance, I would just encourage you to keep going because eventually that J curve is going to swing back up in life and life to the full is going to be discovered. But it takes grit, it takes determination, um, and it takes patience. Again, in this instantaneous world, we feel like, okay, I need to be and become a person of patience. I'm just going to snap my fingers and it's going to come. And life with Jesus is a lifelong journey. And so Eugene Peterson calls it a long obedience in the same direction. And that is what we are after. Oh man. Yes. Good word. That's exactly right. And so in your book, you know, you mentioned um, these three things that I, I think are so good as we talk about, you know, character here, um, learn to be alone, decelerate and listen and take charge of your day. And so I'd love to take those three. And if you could just expand for a few minutes, just on each one, because um, I, I think, you know, just thinking about learn to be alone, which, you know, a lot of youth pastors, <laughs> let's be honest, some of them are Enneagram sevens, a lot of them out there, they're people, people, they, you know, right. To be alone is, is daunting. It, it, it's hard to even just be alone with your own thoughts and the distractions that take place. So just speak to us a little bit, this first one, learn to be alone, you know, just kind of your process as you went through that and what it really means to be a trailblazer in this area of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Well, whether you're introverted or extroverted, I think we all have a resistance to being alone. And I think there's a difference between uh, what the scriptures talk about and, and contemplatives talk about the, the spiritual discipline of solitude and silence and stillness versus um, the cultural temptation of isolation. We are more connected than ever and yet more isolated than ever. And the temptation is consistently to grab our phones or to grab a TV or an Xbox or whatever it may be and to isolate ourselves. And that is not what learning to be alone is all about. It's instead about intentionally uh, retreating. We see Jesus do this all throughout the gospels, uh, multiple times where he retreats to what the scriptures call the Aramos, the wilderness, the, the deserted place, the desolate place. My favorite term is the lonely place that Jesus consistently retreats to this place to be alone with God in stillness and silence. And so 
as I talk about in the book of reclaiming this practice of learning to be alone, I actually uh, liken it through the exercise of uh, a prayer labyrinth, which if you're not familiar with a prayer labyrinth, dates back to the Middle Ages. You'll find them on most like Catholic grounds or Catholic church grounds or spiritual retreat centers. And um, I discovered the beauty of a prayer labyrinth uh, years ago and the just the, the good it can do to your soul. And so whether you've ever walked one or not, I kind of in the book walk through what it looks like to work out a prayer labyrinth. And this is something that you could go do um, on your street tonight. Or if you live in the city, you could go walk the block and that could be your prayer labyrinth. But think of like a maze with a, a planned end, but the end is the center. And so as you walk into the labyrinth, the idea is that you're naming your intention and you're kind of setting uh, think of Moses in Exodus 3. This is like holy ground. You're just setting the, the scene of I am now entering, physically entering into uh, this time of silence and stillness with Jesus. And so as you begin that journey, you just start to name whatever it is that you're seeking. So maybe you're seeking an answer to a question or you're wrestling for clarity through a difficult situation or a material desire or healing of some sort. And in that moment, as you're walking the labyrinth, as you enter the labyrinth and journey towards the center, you're just praying and asking God to be with you as you begin that journey. And you're asking him to show up. In other words, you're inviting Jesus into this space of solitude with you. And then the second aspect is to actually walk the path. And as you walk the path, you're now mulling over your request or your desire or whatever topic of conversation that it is that you're having with Jesus. And I encourage people when they're doing this to walk at a comfortable pace. You're not in a hurry. There's nowhere to be. And a lot of people want to force or rush a response from the Lord. And I just encourage people pay attention to your heart and your soul. Like what emotions are getting evoked? What thoughts are racing through your mind? At, typically at this point, this is when all of the anxieties of your soul are beginning to surface. I, I liken it to if you take like a, a jar of, of sediment and you swirl it around, uh, it's it's all stirring up and it, it needs good. time to settle, right? And so that's what this walking out, you're, you're allowing the sediment of your life to kind of settle. And so I would just encourage you, if you're feeling that, use a breath prayer. Uh, an example would be like, Lord, here I am. And you use that to just kind of center and recenter your heart. And a lot of people feel like, well, I'm getting distracted or I can't focus. And I just say, that's okay. That's a beautiful invitation from Jesus to use a breath prayer to continually bring yourself back to his presence. And so once you get to the center, you're now giving thanks. And at this kind of planned end, this is where communion with God, according to the labyrinth, this is kind of where the presence of God lives. Um, so in my prayer labyrinth, there are, three stumps representing the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then there's a bowl of smooth stones there. And it's just this place where you can kind of just sit and contemplate. And I typically write down a word um, that I feel like God is speaking to me uh, in that moment. And so it's just a place where I just get to say thank you. And I use that time to kind of center myself and worship and praise God for who he is. And then as you exit the labyrinth, as you journey towards back towards the beginning, you start to reflect on whatever it is that the Lord has spoken to you. And you think about how will I change my mindset and my heart posture moving forward? How will I live life differently as a result of this encounter that I've had with Jesus? And so that's just one exercise that I walk people through in the book of uh, what it looks like to learn to be alone. Okay. I'd love for you to share about Deaccelerate and listen. 
and uh, you've definitely uh, intrigued me. You know, being able to slow down uh, sounds really good. And for a lot of youth pastors coming out of the fall, this has been a very busy season. And so this is an important, um, you know, aspect of being able to have uh, our character continue to develop and grow and to be healthy. You know, you can't always live at a, a fast speed. You do have to deaccelerate. You do have to slow down. And so I'd love for you to share a little bit more about this one. I think in the world of noise and speed and hurry, um, the discipline of being able to slow down and center ourselves, these are all intertwined, right? And so daily, I think something that um, right now anyone could choose to do, and it's it's dangerous and it may feel a little backwards, but I think um, anyone who has email on their phone, I would just gently encourage you to delete it today. Um, like oh, I would. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, right. That's typically the reaction that we get right. is like, oh no, there's no way I could do that. How will I do this? Or how will I do that? And I, I think what, what I try to gently encourage people with is just to say, um, perhaps perhaps, and I say this very gently because I, I've, I mean, I do this in so many areas of my life, but perhaps you're inflating your importance. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you think more people may need you than they really do. And I think you'll be surprised if, and when you take that app off your phone, um, how okay people are yeah. without you having to incessantly you actually can't it. survive. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, John, John Ortberg, one of my heroes, he has a line that I say to our church all of the time. Uh, there is a God and it is not you. <laughs> and that's a, that is a, that is a reminder that I have to give to myself each and every day. But yeah, just this practice of slowing down, you know, Katsuke Kiyama, he's this Japanese theologian. He wrote this book called three mile an hour. God has this beautiful quote that I quote in the book. He says, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It is, it is an inner speed. It is a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, yet it is Lord over all other speeds since it is the speed of love. Mm -hmm. And I, I talk about that often as I call it the pace of grace. What does it look like to live into the pace of grace of our lives? The reality is uh, not all of us are created. We are created equally in the image of God, but we do not have the same capacities. We do not have the same giftings. We do not have the same wirings. And so all of us need different things. And so maybe you heard that and you said, email, I never check email on my phone. Well, perhaps there's a different invitation for you. But I think for a lot of us, um, especially in pastoral ministry, the temptation can be to believe that everything centers around us. Even if we want to piously hide behind, no, I'm just a servant of Jesus. Um, we live on a platform and we live with a community around us. And in some ways um, it centers around us. And so one way to decentralize ourselves and re-centralize Jesus um, is to remind ourselves that there is a God and it is not me. And I do not need to be uh, or attempt to be God to every person in my life. That is not my role. That's so good. And, you know, a lot of times we can pay attention to our own bodies, you know, and, and yeah. just, we can almost take a self-assessment, you know, man, have I been stressed lately? Am I not sleeping, you know, well, am I, am I eating right? Am I actually doing physical exercise? A lot of those things, it's like, there's so many things that we can de-accelerate and, and really kind of almost look at each of our own lives and, 
you know, what is that one degree change that we could make? You know, and a one degree change over time makes a big difference. And so that could be something for a lot of us maybe to just take some time to to really, okay, Lord, am I living too fast? Is my pace, you know, at, at, a, at a pace where I can do long-term ministry? Um, and so that's that's really good. So the third one, Michael, you talk about take charge of your day. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, take charge of your day is rooted in the character attribute of discipline and really learning what it looks like to live a disciplined life. And um, I'm not inherently talking about being or becoming like neurotic or type A or OCD. Um, I'm talking about prioritizing the right things, being prudent um, in the words of Peter Scazzaro. Uh, what does it look like to uh, place the right things of life in the right places of my life? And that's what discipline stems from. Again, character formation, this long obedience in the same direction, being able to do the right thing time after time after time. And so throughout the, the uh, character attribute of discipline, I, I walk through the story of Daniel. And I think Daniel exudes discipline in so many ways. I mean, here's this man who you know, rises through the ranks um, in this foreign government as an exile. And uh, and then this edict is given that says he cannot pray to his God. And I love this line. It says that basically right after the edict is given, uh, it says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And I'm like, man, we just might as well call him don't blink Daniel, right? Like this guy didn't even, didn't even phase him. He's like, what? Like, I I'm not paying attention to this edict. This is who I am. I'm disciplining myself to follow Jesus regardless of the cost. And I think Daniel's example is such a beautiful example of what it looks like to follow Jesus in our current cultural moment. I call it contested space. Uh, we may not be outrightly being persecuted like our brothers and sisters in China or Syria or Afghanistan, but but there is, we are swimming upstream in our culture, right? And so what does it look like to do the right thing in a culture where we're constant, constantly being tempted to do the wrong thing. And so I tell this story about, I won't get fully into it today. You can go read about it, but Vibia Perpetua, who is one of the early Christian martyrs. And I talk about how her life of devotion, her willingness to literally lay her life down stemmed from this life of devotion behind the scenes. And she just lived a beautiful, beautiful life that is worth your time. Um, but it all stems from discipline. And I think in our current cultural moment, the church of the future has to be one that is willing to lean into the hard things when it would be easy to lean into um, things that that do not concern us. I just would love to say for, for any leader who is listening currently, I think anytime that we start talking about spiritual disciplines, it can get really tricky where we leave a conversation like this and the immediate next step is to immediately fall into legalism. Okay, here's this list of things that I now need to start doing in order to follow Jesus. So I just want to release anyone who's feeling that pressure right now of I'm not doing enough or I'm not good enough or I don't have the resources to succeed like that person or I'm not at this size of church or whatever um, the excuse may be that we feed ourselves internally. I just want to remind people uh, the end goal is the same, regardless mm. of where you're at right now. And the end goal is love. It's suffering love. It is union with Jesus. And so discipline, character, 
slowness, silence, solitude, you name it. These are all means and they are not, they are not the end in and of themselves. You are not a good Christian. If you spend 15 minutes a day in prayer, you're a, you're an authentic follower of Jesus. If you are authentically pursuing union with God. And so I just would encourage anyone listening, just start where you're at and trust that that is enough and that Jesus will meet you there. And I just, I wanted to make sure that we left that conversation there, Dave, because I I feel like it can get a little dicey when talking about spiritual disciplines. And I want people to know that this is rooted in grace and love and patience. And Jesus is ready to walk this journey with you. Yeah, no, I was going to give you last word of encouragement to youth pastor listening. That's a really good word right there. But yeah, just any last word, um, you know, to these men and women, these youth pastors in the trenches. And, uh, you know, you you know what it's like and the grind and really the heartbeat, like you said, is, yeah, it's these things. Um, we're not talking about legalism. We're really talking about there is joy. Like Jesus is not asking you know, one more thing for you to do. Um, he actually just wants to give more of himself to you. And, um, and that is the beauty of, you know, these practices uh, that we get to experience just more of Jesus. And, and that's what it's all about. And when we get filled up with Jesus, oh man, we get to share about Jesus and we get to tell others about this incredible gospel and this message so, um, Micah, yeah, just that, that was that was so good. And I, I just so appreciate, you know, those those words. Um, so any any final thoughts to to the youth pastors? Yeah, I would just say. Um, what you do matters, and I know that you've probably heard that before, but as someone who has been in the trenches with you alongside you, who has shown up to the Sunday nights or the Wednesday nights thinking what on earth am I doing? And I'm so tired of eating pizza and we're going to play this game again. Um, What you do matters. I was actually just having a conversation with a a lady last night who um, I led her son, uh, our life group for five years. And I saw her for the first time since her son had graduated a few years ago. And she's now serving at a church where I had an encounter with Jesus when I was in the seventh grade. And I went to that church one time. And I told her the memory of the one time that I went to that church and how Jesus met me there. And it was, it was not anything remotely crazy. Like, I I don't even remember what we talked about. I don't remember who I was with, but I told her about the encounter and I said, that place marked me. And so just know, regardless of where your uh, current youth ministry is at, or where your current ministry is at, or how you're feeling about yourself, what you're doing matters. And Jesus's invitation is to show up and to watch him do what only he can do. And so our job is to surrender and trust that he is who he says he is. And uh, you are enough, my friend. Mm. Well said, Micah. Um, Where can people find you online? Yep. I'm on all social medias at Micah E. Davis, uh, MicahEDavis.com. If you want to check out our church, SanctuaryIndy.com, our teachings are on Apple Podcasts and YouTube, and uh, would love to have a conversation. Well, thanks for joining us, uh, my friends, for the Lead 222 podcast. Grateful for you. Uh, Don't do ministry alone. Uh, Healthy leaders lead healthy ministries. We are grateful for you and for our lead community. We'll see you next time.